We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Rotowire Fantasy Football Show, Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, John McCagney, joined as always by Mario Puig. We got a lot to get to. We got the draft getting started in 30 hours or so. So a lot of draft props to get into and then some general predictions for how the first round is going to, to play out. So a lot to get to today here. Let's get it rolling. Welcome back in Roadwire Fantasy Football, John McCackney, Mario Puig. We are at the really this is the cakes in the oven at this point in a lot of ways, but a lot of things could also change here in the next 30 or so hours. We got the draft kicking off Thursday night. Mario, just a, a quick check in. Uh, you know, you and I are the guys that, that kind of run the show as far as our NFL draft coverage here at Roadwire. How are we doing? <laughs> um it's it's uh fine uh we're we're gonna obviously get our most of our reps uh what is it friday and saturday uh thursday's always just easy as hell or since they made the the first round its own day it's it's uh it blindfolded uh sleep in our sleep etc we can do that but uh yeah those the day two and especially the day three it, it's it's like torture after a while but uh we are <laughs> We are weathered in the task. We've done it a lot of times, so uh, I, I think we'll we'll be fine. Uh, no one, no one, else, literally, no one else on earth can do it though. Just us. That that is correct. Uh, who else is pumping out seventy five notes on on a beautiful uh, Saturday morning in, in late spring? Where John, uh, not to bring up the ice bowl or whatever of RotoWire NFL draft note typing, but. I do have to give myself credit for that one year. I don't even remember. You might not have been hired yet. I guess it make it would make sense if you hadn't been. But uh, mm-hmm. I had to do every single note for whatever draft it was while typing with the Russell Wilson tendon tear. Just in hammer finger. finger. Yeah. And I actually was like, I was like two or three weeks into my splint treatment to isolate and stabilize the, the tendon. And I couldn't type fast enough with the splint. So I just had to like rip, take it off and like re-tear the tendon so that I could type with a floppy finger. <laughs> it was gnarly yeah <laughs> that's I, I think the only thing i'm even close to on that one is in college i, I broke a bone in my hand and the rule was it, and i was enrolled in in a pe class that that semester <laughs> and the only rule for the pe class was that you couldn't miss so yeah. i just kind of had to play tennis with a broken like pinky finger for like oh, half dude. a semester uh so nice. i wouldn't get a withdrawal fail um, That's how I, I'm, I gym class was how I got like a second biology science credit at the UW. I don't I don't remember why that was, but that's that's technically how I got past the science requirement is gym. Well, to any of our uh, prospective college students listening, uh, there's a little loophole for you if you're going to go to Wisconsin. Some of us needed P- it. Yeah. Take PE and all of a sudden you're a biologist. Um, anywho, let's get into the meat of this podcast uh, we'll start things out. You posted an NFL draft props article that went live on the site earlier this week. I'll have one up later on on this Wednesday as well. But uh, let's let's get things started. 
uh, top of your article, you're breaking down Jameson Williams and his odds. And it looks like uh, two that you're considering under uh, pick number 12 and a half for Jameson Williams. That That's minus 115. And Jameson Williams going in the top 10, which is a slight plus money there, plus 125. So a little bit of, you know, baking in the, the Washington Commanders and, and their need for um, a receiver, maybe uh, kind of dictating why it's why it's minus money for that 12 and a half spot. But uh, your thoughts now, just about 48 hours a- after posting this, are you still feeling confident on where Williams could go? I still like the Williams one. Unfortunately, since I posted that, uh, like right when I posted that, a few things started turning for the worse. Uh, one of which for, for a couple of these props here is that the wide receivers, I guess, relative to earlier projections are kind of losing ground to all of offensive tackles because of Charles Cross is going to go in the top 10, it looks like, which wasn't something conventionally assumed like a week or two ago. Uh, we got Jermaine Johnson locked into the top 10 at, at the edge defensive end spot. He wasn't projected to be there a couple of weeks ago. So guys like that jumping into the top 10, even if all the quarterbacks are out, even if Malik Willis is out and Kenny Pickett is out, it might come at the expense of, you know, the receivers and the later the, the run starts, the later everybody's going and, and Jamison Williams could uh, get pinched in that. I feel safe in his case, though. I think he's. I think two receivers are going to go in the top ten, or at least have a really good shot to. And I still think he's a really good bet to be the first receiver taken, and at worst, the second taken. So I think by twelve, certainly he'll be off the board. And I still like ten to just because I. I still think it makes sense for him to be the first receiver picked, and uh, I don't know if that's even going to be necessary. I, I think, uh, especially if those two quarterbacks are both out then I think Garrett Wilson and, and Jameson Williams should both fit in the top 10. So, so where does the, the receiver run start in your mind? Does it start at eight with, with, um, with Atlanta or do, do the jets go ahead and, and try to make um, something happen? Yeah, I should have said too. Uh, the corner is taking up another spot because we weren't projecting Stingley to go in the top 10. And now apparently he's pushing like top three going to Houston specifically. So um, the wide receiver run when I was like last mocking things a couple like a week or whatever, 10 days ago, I was kind of assuming Jamison Williams would start that run at a, like the seventh pick, uh, sixth pick, whatever, like that, something like that. And instead it's looking at, at best, maybe eight, maybe nine, maybe 10. Washington is that one team that you feel like you can, I don't know, not, not take for granted, but like really like the odds of going for one of those receivers, because particularly if Stingley's off the board, and I guess especially if uh, if Ahmad Gardner's off the board, then wide receiver would probably be the strongest position still available. And it's, of course, a need for Washington. So um, if they get on the clock at the 10th pick and all of like, you know, Cross, Aquanu, somehow Evan Neal, I, I guess he could fit in there somehow. Uh, if all those guys are gone, Jermaine Johnson, Stingley are gone, Washington would be reaching kind of to the – projected prospects in the 2030 range to pick anyone who isn't a receiver at that Mm -hmm. point uh and then uh by you know 11th and 12th things things can also happen so uh i guess to something that could change this is do the jets end up trading for debo samuel or somebody anyway end up trading for debo samuel because uh if the jets aren't in the jets might not be involved either way i guess i should say but uh I, I guess I guess if Debo is on some new team, then maybe maybe that could open up the 49ers to pursuing receivers, but uh, they don't have a first rounder anyway. So uh, yeah, I guess that could deflate the wide receiver draft market even more. Yeah. So the, this is yeah the the recent inflation that when it comes to some of these um, you know defenders or an offensive lineman has really been interesting over the last 24 hours you know you mentioned Charles Cross I, I mocked him I think to 17 uh to the Chargers and you know but I think there's a lot to like about Charles Cross and he's obviously yeah. like extremely experienced as as a pass blocker like you know playing at Miss State playing in an air raid you get 700 pass blocking reps basically just re- just right there so he's very experienced there um you know tools wise I think he's got it um, you, you wonder how much of an impact player he can be as a, you know, as a run blocker, but offensive linemen just kind of by nature tend to prefer 
uh, run blocking anyway. So maybe it just wouldn't be that big of an issue. And if anything, it's like a welcome change for him to have, uh, you know, more balanced run pass split that he, that he's playing in, but he can obviously um, handle the, those pass blocking tasks. Do, what do you think that, you know, Houston does at, at three, because you, you alluded to Stingley in, in the kind of late um, helium that, that he's receiving after getting kind of, uh, I think overcorrected yeah, a lot Thibodeau. of this draft progress. Yes, yeah. both. Of the, like, both we of were like, "Oh, there's the first and the second pick in the 2022, like a year and a half ago." We're like, uh, first and second pick. That's easy. It's mm-hmm. those two." And then uh, all off season, you would have been told to believe, like, "Oh, actually, the NFL hates those guys." Right. Oh, right. I guess it didn't turn out to be true. So yeah, it's it's so funky, and like I, I just remember, and I'll have another mock up uh, tomorrow as well where I got a little bit windswept in some of the the day of the draft buzz last year. I think that there there was rumors of uh, the Saints wanting to trade up into the top five that I, that I bid on pretty hard. And I think the day of the draft was also when Adam Schefter dropped all of the uh, Aaron Rodgers drama, even though he admitted later that it was just like all kind of like just cumulative. No, nothing was particularly like pertinent to late April last year is just kind of like, Oh yeah, by the way, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are not happy with each other. And I just took the bait on that. So it, it it's, you know, not that anyone should feel pity for us, but it, it's, it, it's tricky trying to sift through all this stuff with, with oh, when, yeah. the, uh, when the clock's coming up. Well, Jake Glazer is the best, uh, both in terms of reliability and probably reporting ethics uh, among NFL reporters all time. And he basically started boycotting the draft process, media process. It's already been like four years or something where he's just like, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. I hate dealing with everybody who's, yep. who's, who's doing this because they're all a bunch of liars. Uh, it's, it's, it's crap. I'm not doing it. Um, but yeah, he was, I know he broke like the, the Julio Jones trade way before the, the first Julio Jones trade up by the Falcons in his draft. Like, he was breaking all the draft stuff back in the day, and now we don't have him. And there's there's still some people who are solid, but um, it's like the information that gets out now. It's like it has to be. Eh, it's it's not as likely to go to the national guys. It's it's more likely to go to like low level or uh, more localized people with with like uh, personal connections rather than like institutional ones. And it just it's hard to sift through the two. It's it's like you can hear things from both sources but you don't know where it came from in either case. Cause a lot of times people have got to remain like anonymous. Cause they're just somebody who works like, you know, in some, not even necessarily personnel or football related part of a team and they don't want to get outed and fired, you know? So right. it's, it's, it's impossible to, 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 especially once you get to the internet point of the filter where it's removed, which is to say um, it, it's just impossible to, to, this is self-serving maybe as someone who who posted something two days ago that's already aged poorly on the basis of insider information but it's it's really hard to stay ahead of it and be right all the time about it yeah it's it's borderline impossible but uh but we do it anyway um looking elsewhere in your draft props article even though you know 48 hours feels like it's aged a millennium as you're as you're kind of alluding to do you still feel good about the packers going with the receiver with their first pick so this is another thing that could be subject to trade developments, not just Debo Samuel, but I doubt they'll trade for Debo Samuel. By the way, I would imagine if they were going to trade for Debo Samuel, they would have just found a way to keep Adams, basically. It's not like Debo Samuel is going to be much cheaper, if at all. So I don't think they're going to trade for uh, for Debo, but they might trade for Darren Waller. And if they trade for Darren Waller, that might make them say, we don't need a first-round receiver anymore. Uh to be fair, they could decide that even if they don't trade for Waller, that would be insane, but they could do that. I mean, this team did trade up for Jordan Love uh, right before Aaron Rodgers had back-to-back MVP seasons, so I don't want to just assume they'll do what makes the most sense. But their receiver situation is so dire that if they don't take a receiver in the first round and if they don't get a legitimate star talent, like at least Waller, then – they are voluntarily concluding Aaron Rodgers' career right there. They, they might as well imagine it to be that because it, it you're not going to get to a Super Bowl with Alan Lazard as your lead receiver and your second receiver as like Amari Rodgers. It's just not happening. So uh, if they're serious and they're like lucid about this, they either have to trade for Waller at the very least or they have to take a receiver in the first round. 
Um, so that that's how I see it. And uh, I think it would be so exceptionally reckless to, to not take one. Um, that's it, it. I think it's, I think it's a, about as safe knock on wood as, as uh, these types of bets can get. Yeah. I think, yeah, the Packers and the chiefs are two teams that, that I think are, are, you know, picking in the same neighborhood, you know, in the twenties that I, I think will go after a receiver with at least, you know, one of their selections. Yeah. And I guess the way that also could be a bust bet is they somehow, for some reason, take a different position at the first pick and then take whatever, uh, for the sake of, of one of my now retracted other props, maybe they would take George Pickens at the second one. And thus uh, I, I strike out on all of them, even though I was uh, initially saying take Pickens uh, under and uh, uh, take take the Packers taking a receiver. But um, yeah, it is possible. I just I guess I would be surprised that one of like the edges or what would it be? Um, they're kind of set at corner, I think. Right. Like they're not going to spend at a safety spot. So. If it's not an edge rusher who they find a compelling talent, and I guess uh, they could find someone like Karlaftis to be that, mm-hmm. I suppose. But that's that's what it would have to be at that first first rounder of theirs. Yeah, yeah. No, that that, that definitely checks out because Jermaine Johnson's off the board. Uh, it's like maybe Arnold Ebikidi or whatever his name is. Like mm-hmm. that, that's the kind of names you're talking uh, at the at the defensive line edge spot, and then on offense. I guess the Packers could take an offensive lineman, but I don't know enough about their personnel to guess where. And it's not like a need, certainly not a tackle. So, yeah, I think it's it's either going to be somebody like Karlaftis or it's going to be a receiver. I don't know how else it could go, really. So if you were to guess which receiver it would be for the, for the Packers at their first draft, draft slot, do you think Burks probably fits that yeah. mold? It seems like Burks and Pickens, unless they waive one of their – weight requirement things and I, I don't know exactly what their standard is but you can see through their picks over the recent years like they've they've got some kind of just analytics premise that they follow that like oh you can't have you can't take a skinny receiver you need receivers who are like 200 pounds or more and to what end they have in mind I don't know I think they might be misapplying the premise anyway like I think that they're just kind of saying like you know density is good in a receiver for a lot of reasons you know playing in traffic run blocking whatever um, but it's not the weight part. It's the density part. Like they still mm-hmm. drafted St. Brown and Marcus Valdez-Scantling who are skinny. Right. And it's like, that's not even like Marcus Valdez-Scantling was a, was a good blocker. Cause he, you know, he's still big by, by cornerback standards, but he's skinny. And it's like, if, if you're taking George pick, if you're willing to take George Pickens, cause he's, you know, 195 or whatever, not under 195, then like you might as well be willing to take someone who's, uh, you know, like six, one, in 185 like it's not that different of a, of a body density uh variable there so uh Traylon Burks in any case easily checks that box being 225 like he's he's kind of the prototype of the sort of the uh, receiver that they approach and I don't know otherwise who would qualify I guess Christian Watson but that would just be stupid um, that would be a crazy reach somebody some stupid team is gonna take him it's gonna it's gonna be too high I think um maybe not if he goes if he goes in like the the mid to late second, then I guess he's a reasonable pick. But yeah, I'm, I'm worried someone's going to take him over clearly better players. Sure. No, exactly. So yeah, Watson was definitely creeping into the late first round in, in some mocks uh, just, a, just a week or so ago. But it seems like that that has since um, cooled down a little bit. And I, I feel I think like they were doing some some ESPN mock on like TV or something where they somebody took him for the Cardinals in the first round. And that actually would not shock me. Yeah, you can't really uh, tr- trust the Cardinals and uh, their their draft process. Their GM and their coach are both utter fools. So yeah, keep an eye on them to do something stupid. <laughs> right, like it, you know, I'm like sitting there trying to like get so you know f- figure out a pick for the Cardinals, and I'm like, oh well, they they need this. This guy's available, blah blah blah. But it's like uh, you shouldn't apply that type of logic to whatever the Cardinals. There would have been no reason to give them Zayvon Collins last year, you know, none. And right. For some reason, pretty early in the process, it leaked out of their their office. Like, oh, they're they're going Collins. They love him. Like, yeah, they can do anything. They can like see Kime and, and Cliff are just anyway. Well, we'll we'll see. I, I, I think um, they're probably going to blow it. They should be thinking um, if they're thinking receiver, it shouldn't be Watson. It, it should be Pickens probably. Um, but yeah, I, I I can imagine Cliff 
convincing himself, like, I just need a six, four receiver. I just, AJ green was so close last year, but we just, we would just need a better version of that. And uh, it's like, Hey, Christian Watson is not giving you anything like that. And B uh, you could have just signed Marquez Valdez Scantling for like $8 million if you wanted that. But uh, they're the kind of team that just, they don't follow any consistent reasoning. They, they just, they're all, you know, vibes and not, not often are they good. Was it was there a six four receiver like when when he was at Texas Tech? That, Antoine like, Wesley. That's why Antoine Wesley is playing ahead of Andy Isabella. It's because uh, Cliff is just convinced. I just need a six four boundary corner to win the one on one matchups that we're getting because we have so many receivers running curls at the same time that they can't double any of them, and that will be I think what cracks the code. It's like no, you need a good six four receiver, Cliff. You can't just put some six four guy out there. And if you if the bad six four guy is more useful to you than the maybe not bad five nine guy, then your scheme is stupid. In addition to you personally, but like Antoine Wesley is going to be starting on the on uh is going to be like starting opposite DeAndre Hopkins unless they draft someone like uh, good case scenario Pickens and bad case scenario Christian Watson. Bleak, bleak outlay there for for uh, for the cards. Um, let's keep rolling. Um, another, another one that you had, I was having a, a difficult time deciding where I wanted to go with, with Tennessee a, as well. Your thoughts are that they are going to go after offensive line. Do you think that they could possibly be in the market for a, a you know, but ideally a, a better or a well planned out succession plan, uh, to Ryan Tannehill, the way like a, a the Jordan Love pick for for Aaron Rodgers. Do you think that they would kick the tires on on you know a, a Sam Howell or somebody like that if 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 there's a quarterback still available late first round? Um, not really, but I don't I don't know. I I I, uh, I feel like Mike Vrabel's a pretty simple guy, and not not that he's like uh, not that he isn't complex, but like he's simple in that he doesn't. He, he he doesn't um i don't I like i don't think he's as variable and like unpredictable as, as some other people and i think he kind of at least in recent drafts he's shown a tendency to just go at the very obvious need that they've gotten themselves into uh and it's like a couple of years ago it was isaiah wilson and they just burned that pick unfortunately uh then it was last it's more year. on him than than the titans you know uh, yeah probably uh and then caleb farley last year after they you know telegraphed that pick by cutting Adoree Jackson beforehand. I feel like the Adoree Jackson cut uh, analogy in this offseason is Roger Saffold walking in free agency. Now, uh, I guess they could they could try to replace him some other way. Uh, I, I'm looking at their, their depth chart right now, and I, I don't really know who any of these people are. So I feel like their guard position after being certainly in Saffold's spot, a strength in recent years, is likely to become a liability for the first time in, in this Vrabel era if they don't take a guard in the first round. And how fortunate is it then that there are at least three players who should be at their pick or around it who just project very well for the kind of tasks even that, that Saffold has. Like, I'm not saying they got to – I'm not like, oh, they, they got to take Tyler Lindenbaum, a zone-blocking center, because they just have to plug this leak somehow. Like, fortunately, you don't have to – strain to see a solution here there's the the texas a&m guard green you got zion johnson at boston college and uh even tyler smith who's considered a tackle too he could easily be an nfl guard uh he might be a better fit at guard actually like he's, he's like a very uh stout 6'5 325 type um i think he could stick a tackle but if you're the titans why are you not taking one of those three players like why would you not just especially if you're the type of team who just takes Caleb Farley last year because you your your cap mismanagement made you cut Adoree Jackson like this is this is the obvious hole again like and and in this case you don't even have to reach for a solution like Caleb Farley I don't know what to make of that pick exactly but his medicals were a big red flag and he wasn't expected to go as high as he did to the Titans in the first round all three of these guards would be just no sweat picks for them yeah no I I totally agree with that like in in guard is a market that usually doesn't, you know, outside of the Quentin Nelsons of the world, like that, that's a market that doesn't really start to take shape until the mid teens. And I think in this class, 
I think we could see until the mid twenties and, and Linderbaum is, is like a center only guy. So like yeah. you can't, you can't take him and like kick him out to, to one of the guard spots. Like you, you have to need a center to, to take Linderbaum. He's too light and small uh, to put, to play another interior offensive line position. But yeah, Zion Johnson, I think would be the, the perfect pick for, for Tennessee. That dude is like, he kind of reminds me of like offensive line, Michael Pierce or something, just like a total, just fire hydrant. That's, very difficult to move. Green, very, uh, green's a big one stout. too. It's like that's the thing. It's like all three of them are total maulers. And yeah, that, like, that's what Saffold, I guess, and it fits was, so nicely with Tennessee too, just to, in general. Yeah, and if they want that Derrick Henry contract to age well, then why not put some good blocking reps at guard, especially when your best one just left? No, exactly. I feel like I feel like going any other position is uh, would dictate a tank, and like Vrabel will never tank. Rabel's too violent. He'll never he'll never believe that they're not going to win because he just can't he he can't think any other way. So he's always going to be in a win now mode. And if they want to win now, I I feel like taking uh, what would probably be the best player available anyway at their position of greatest need makes so much sense. Yep, and you you can get that at at uh, great plus money. Um, so plus one eighty five would would be the the Titans taking. Um, an offensive lineman with their first selection. Let's get into Ty- Tyra Linderbaum. We, we talked about him ju- just a minute ago. Um, it seems like uh, he is sliding a bit and, and his, uh, his. Is he? Do we have under- good intel on this article finally? I mean, uh, I feel, I feel like he, he was someone that, that I thought was widely considered as, as a top 20 pick. And I, I feel like that that's cooled at least a little bit because his posted over under is at 27 and a half. Where are you on that one? So I, I, I definitely don't have anything against Linderbaum as a prospect. The only reason I'm really singling him out is because I just don't think he's, he's actually a blue chip prospect. Like he's a blue chip zone blocking prospect, but that's not the same as being the kind of center who can play in just any scheme at a high level. Uh, and Linderbaum is the kind of guy who's like, maybe he's an all pro in a zone blocking kind of thing, but maybe for the Cowboys uh, he's, he's only, you know, three fourths as good as uh, a mauler like Travis Frederick was. Like, there's, there's, there's something that he loses when the game becomes less about movement and more about holding ground and pushing people. So, mm-hmm. there are a lot of teams. Uh, any team would be glad to have him. I'm sure. The question is, like, do they want to pay a first round pick for a player who normally fits the profile of kind of like a, I don't know, develop not developmental, uh, fringe prospect, I guess you would say, kind of pick like a guy like. They like to compare him to Jason Kelsey when when justifying his lofty draft status. Like Kelsey was probably a fifth round pick or something, wasn't he? Like it's not a good process to single out two hundred and eighty pound centers, and not just that, but like Kelsey had really, 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 really high uh, workout metrics. So like when when he has when he has when he's running a four eight and he weighs two eighty, yeah, that's fine. If if you're that freakishly fast and quick, um, then you can get away with being two eighty. Not just that, you can add 20 pounds of weight if you need to and still be one of the quickest, fastest centers. With Linderbaum, we don't have those numbers. Uh, to be fair, he is heavier than than Kelsey by quite a bit. Um, but y- you can you can imagine scenarios where uh, there, there's just, you know, pinches at certain markets in the draft, like maybe receiver at that point in the first round. But we already know that there's a lot of heat around the edge rushers, a little bit around the corners, a lot around the offensive tackles. We still don't know where any of these stupid quarterbacks are going to go. So it's like it, there's there's ways to imagine Linderbaum slipping a little bit just out of kind of like escalating demand at other spots that wasn't even really expected before the draft. And that's not even before you account for how he might have a limited market in the first place just for schematic reasons. So um, I'm sure he's really good, uh, but I, I feel like to be a center who goes in the top 25, you're probably targeting someone who's over 300 pounds or has longer arms, uh, Linderbaum has, has really short arms. Uh, so you something like that, a little bit more mass, a little bit more timed, verified athleticism, things like that. Um, and I, I just, like, you can't really remember any teams, right, that 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 uh, had a media narrative around them of like, oh, they failed this year because they didn't have a good enough center. Like, there's, right. there's, no, there's no, like, fashionable, fashionability about centers at the moment, especially not zone-blocking ones, so... I, I just I just feel like there's too much other heat around other names at uh, broadly you know coveted positions. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you're saying there, and I, I think you you make a really good point when it comes to just like 
simply other positions, other other guys are, are going to leap him because they play positions that, that are a little bit more flexible. Again, like we were saying, Linderbaum, a, a very kind of like scheme-specific guy who can't uh, move positions. And you usually, you know, you, you take a guy in the, in the first round, an offensive lineman, like you – He's a tackle. He doesn't work out a tackle. Like you can move him to guard, that type of thing. Like you can't really uh, do that with, with Linderbaum. So that, that makes it a little bit trickier. So I, I could see um, a little bit of a slide, even, even if we both think that, that he can be um, a fine player at the next level. Um, let's get back over to, to the, those uh, silly quarterbacks that we were talking about. Who is going to take Malik Willis? Um, so it's not going to be at second and it's, it's not going to be in the top 10, I guess, but I still think Detroit makes a lot of sense just, just as like a general spot, like the, the general fit in the team and it's, it's window timeline. Like they can't get rid of Jared Goff this year. They'd eat something like 17 million if they cut or traded him right now. But after this year, it gets a lot easier. Not that they're going to just remove all the guaranteed money at that point. But it, it, if I remember right, on over the cap, it was something like, uh, not to misquote them, their number is right, whatever it is. I'm, I'm just going to remember it wrong here. Uh, <laughs> I think they can cut Jared Goff for like, uh, to save like 8 million off of a, an otherwise cap hit of like 17 million, something like that. So it makes plenty of sense to have Willis in particular on that particular team. Uh, a, Goff sucks, of course, but B, you hear the, this criticism about Willis is always like, oh, he needs a redshirt year. He needs time to learn. Like, okay, well, the Lions can't move Goff for a year anyway. So they have two first-round picks. Uh, they, I don't know. It's it's just, uh, if not them, then who kind of thing to me? And maybe the, maybe the answer is kind of like nobody. It doesn't have to be uh, somebody. But uh, if somebody's going to take Willis in the first round, the Lions have to be the favorite for being a quarterback needy team with two first round picks. So I th- I think because uh, it was at like plus three fifty, was it? I can't remember what I had. Yes, yeah, some, something like that. It's like man, I almost like that uh, a lot better anyway because there's uh, they could have you know moved around from that second pick even if they were considering Willis at that second pick, and maybe they would have considered him at that second pick if it weren't for Hutchinson uh, falling out of favor for the first pick. But they'll probably take Hutchinson at the second pick. So the question is, do they take Willis with that 32nd pick? Uh, do they trade up from that 32nd pick to get Willis? That would make plenty of sense. Um, but yeah, it's got to be either Willis or I guess like Seattle. But uh, Seattle has to trade up further. Like they'd have to probably trade with the Lions to get to that pick. So, so that, that's under the supposition that, that Seattle would be wanting to get out in front of Carolina. Uh, well, I guess Carolina could take Willis. I, I just, uh, it won't be at six. They have to trade back. It's, it's a uh, really funny their their draft pick uh, selection this year. Like they, they don't have one yeah. until the fifth or something. Yeah, um, it's pretty bad. Idiots. So yeah, they have <laughs> to trade back. And uh, yeah, I guess the, I mean they could take Willis. Uh, that it's either them or the Lions, I guess. And and uh, maybe it is Carolina, but I, I just, I just think. Uh, Man, the Lions too would be would it would be a very bad look on them, I think, if they didn't take a quarterback here. Because, like, if you're, I don't even believe the thing that like you got to take a quarterback every year. But certain teams at a certain point kind of do have to, especially when they got themselves in the first place by not considering a quarterback the prior year. Um, I don't know. I, I think if they don't take Willis, they're they're just playing seven and uh, previously seven and nine ball. Maybe maybe call it eight and nine at this point. Uh, but that's that's just kind of like their ceiling as a team. They're an eight and nine team that maybe gets a wild card berth because the other teams in the division suck that year. But if they keep managing quarterback the way they have, they will never do better than that. Yeah, that, I th- I think that you know the the stuff that you laid out there when it when it comes to the golf contract versus like the narrative around uh, Willis. It, I mean, it, it seems to line up. I just think that the Lions are in kind of like an awkward spot picking like at the very beginning and the very end of the first round. Like those are those are two picks that are like, you know, have such entirely different values attached to them. And, and you know, if they if they're a quarterback needy team, then they should take a quarterback with, with the second pick. And I don't I don't really think that anyone else is going to trade up to two and, and necessarily feels compelled to do so to take. Willis necessarily or, or or Kenny Pickett of course either so it's just 
it's really tricky to figure out how the Lions w- would, you know, maneuver the, those two first round picks when they're so, you know, like, you know, other opposite ends um, of the spectrum. So, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a tough spot. Um, we'll, we'll see I guess what, I, what ends up. Now that I'm trying to think through it again, I guess I'd be a little surprised if the Panthers were the ones to take Willis just because, um, I don't know, maybe they could, they could, but I guess it's, it's hard to think, put yourself in like Matt Rule's position and it's like, how does, how does a dumb guy think about this? What are they going to assume? Well, he, he probably would not want a quarterback, right? Like if he's feeling right, like he, he that he's going to get fired. Right. I can't tell if he's the kind of guy. See, I think the smart thing in his position is to take a player like Willis or some quarterback because people love believing that rookie quarterbacks who have like two good quarters of play in the last half of a losing season are going to be like great future hopes and they get the, the coach in question another year potentially. If they just if they get Baker Mayfield to compete with Sam Darnold or Jimmy Garoppolo to compete with Sam Darnold, they're just going straight to the ditch, you know? Like it's just you're, you're not going anywhere with those guys. But in some some kind of football guys' minds, they do think like that's the smart thing to do because, oh, there's reliability in Garoppolo and Mayfield. No, there's reliable failure in them. There's a there's uncertainty with the rookies, but that's better than certain failure, which is your that's what you're choosing in this scenario. So Rule could be the kind of guy who chooses the certain failure out of a misguided attempt for security. I don't really know. But if he is, then that would make Willis less likely yet, just because he is perceived as so much more raw than someone like Kenny Pickett. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it or kind even of litter, I guess. I've made this analogy before, but it's like, you know, the, the family guy bit where, where Peter goes into the uh, used car salesman office and the, he's like, you can have a boat or this mystery box, but it, it's not a boat in this case. It's like a, you know, rusted out sedan. That, that would yeah. be as uh, Darnold or Sorry, we're, we're choosing between the rusted sedan and the mystery box. Yes, but the yeah. mystery box could also be Give me the, the box. rusted out sedan. Give, Unless, give me the box. I mean, you can maybe sleep in a sedan even if it doesn't run what assuming you can't make a decent shelter or a scrap item out of it go with a mystery box <laughs> I, see and you can't know. move you can't move baker mayfield to tight end so you know you, you really cannot uh that i don't think that would go super well for him uh before we get on to uh more draft discussion here uh, a quick word from our sponsors over at blue wire We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, so let's go ahead and unpack uh, the the second pick a little bit more because there's a pretty interesting market. This is a a little bit of a preview of of what I'll be posting uh, a little bit later on Wednesday, but there's a market, I believe, over on the DraftKings uh, Sportsbook that allows you to bet on uh, how the top order is going to go all the way from, from the top two exact order, top three, and top four. So I'm thinking about uh, eyeing up the, the top three exact um, currently Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal is plus 1300 
over on DraftKings. Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Evan Neal is plus four thousand. So uh, obviously you're you're giving a or you know that there's a much longer shot there because you could have this bet wash out on the first pick, which is uh, you know Hutchinson is now plus two hundred as opposed to being close to minus two hundred like a week ago. Um, so things have really changed there. Why do you think that that um, the the odds have flipped so dramatically in fit in favor of Walker going first overall? Because uh, Balky kind of let the word out. Um, yeah, they're going to take Walker, I think. And uh, this is such a weird Twilight Zone scenario for me too, because like I I I don't like Trent Balky, but I think he keeps lately doing things that make certainly more sense than the public generally gives credit for. And, and I wanted to be this, this critic of his so badly. And I, I'm like trapped in this hell where I'm like uh, compelled to like defend him <laughs> against my will. Um, and this Walker pick is another case of it. I mean, like I think I actually think the more I look at Walker, the more I think like he's going to be insane. I think he's going to be just a total wrecker. And I think he's the right pick. Um, so I think that's, that's all, uh, surprisingly reasonable by bulky. And, uh, yeah, it seems pretty settled at this point. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know how much things can change. It doesn't seem like it will in this case. So if Hutchinson is not the first pick, then it seems like the safe assumption is the Lions would take him. And I don't even like that pick for them. I think it's a bad pick actually, because they try to run a lot of three, four type stuff lopsided four, three type stuff um, where basically they have two, three, four outside linebackers on the field at all times, even though they call one of them a defensive end and one of them a linebacker and outside of nickel dime formations, that means Hutchinson's going to have to play linebacker and he's six, seven, two sixty. That's just not what you're supposed to do with someone that build. And um, I even heard that his, his agent was kind of telling teams not to try to use him as a stand-up linebacker which would again make sense. Um, so I don't know why the Lions would be just so easily convinced to make that pick, but it that's the general assumption too, that, that, that Hutchinson will be the second pick if a Walker is the first, which we are at this point considering likely. So the question is that third pick, if those first two things are true. And I would have definitely assumed Neil, something like that. Uh they could use a right tackle at the very least. Like that's, that's not a question. The Texans could definitely use that. They could use a long-term left tackle. So uh, like I think cross would make sense in a way, especially if they trade back, because uh, if they move Laramie Tunsil, then they'll have a left tackle need in the next couple of years. Uh, even if they keep cross on the right side for the first or the second or whatever. Um, so they could use offensive line for sure. Neil Aquanu, even really any of them would make sense in that case. But the latest noise is saying like Derek Stingley is looking like the the, the Houston target at three. And I I have no idea how reliable that is. It kind of makes sense to me. And then again, this is like this is like the Jack Easterby scenario with the bulky thing. I'm like, well, God, I didn't expect them to take Stingley, but I think it makes a lot of sense. I thought Stingley should have been in the top five discussion all this time anyway. Sure. And uh, so it's like. Easterby of all people who's like basically my sworn enemy yeah. <laughs> is on the, on the cusp of making this decision that I never thought he was smart enough to make um, very weird feeling, but I wouldn't be shocked either too, by the way, uh, Daryl Stingley. I'm pretty sure. Sh- wasn't he on the Oilers? I think Daryl Stingley was on the Oilers and I wouldn't be surprised if Easterby's doing some kind of like, uh, we're we're getting the the locals proud of the culture again by invoking their history that they had forgotten, you know, something like that. Uh, he's a goofy, weird guy. He believes in you know everything's got to be biblical with Jack, to say the least. And so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was looking at it from that kind of grand sort of imagery. It's like misapplying the prodigal son to to Derek Stingley. Um, yeah, the not paralyzed great nephew. after you know having no real connection to to houston uh beforehand um but actually you know speaking of stingley in in this particular scenario so on DraftKings top three exact order that actually has the the worst odds or as in like that you're not getting as much stingley is the favored one now yes so the the top three i don't know if that was the case even like 90 minutes ago 
Right. So Walker Hutchinson Stingley goes for plus 300 over on DraftKings. Any other example? Oh, dude, I'm stupid. He, uh, sorry, Daryl Stingley played for the Patriots. I, I, their colors used to look differently back then. I used to confuse the Oilers for the Patriots on my pro set cards. Um, anyway, so Jack Easterby is not doing that, uh, but it would still be a good pick to take Stingley because uh, he he was like he was supposed to be you know like the truth at corner before he basically got hurt, and that's that's uh, certainly a need position for the Texans. Um, so yeah, I have I've. You know, as much as it could just be late smoke, I, I have every reason to figure that that stuff is true, that that those th- first three picks might be pretty much set right now. Yeah, it, very possible. And yeah, again, so that's plus 300 so that there's definite uh, helium there. And and yeah, if, if we looked at that bet 24 hours ago, I, I don't think that Stingley being the third pick is is less than plus 800, something like that. So um, that's pretty wild. Other ones. And then uh, we we might have reason to believe that the fourth pick is either Equanu or less likely, perhaps Jermaine Johnson. But the Jets are believed to be locked onto those two. So that so and does that take them out of the Sauce Gardner running in that case? Well, yes. If these but. things are true, you would think so. Um, I have no but, idea. Yeah. So if the Jets walk walk away from their from their two top ten selections. With the the combo of of Aquanu and Jermaine Johnson, and let's sit, let's put Stingley at three to the Texans. Does, does Sauce Gardner like? Does he become someone that someone trades up into the top ten to go get? If Stingley's going at three, you would think Gardner couldn't be too far behind. And uh, as much as I was just saying that those first three picks look set, it wasn't that long ago that people were. I mean, I think Gardner might have been the favored third pick for a couple days there as recently as like two days ago. Yep. So I, maybe we can't come out, count him out for the third pick. And if we can't, then certainly pretty much any pick after that. It, the one thing about the Jets is it seems like they have, uh, I don't know if they, they just have no policy against leaks or if they can't control the, the team employees, but their information seems to get out pretty unfiltered. Uh, what they're doing, like the Zach Wilson thing last year was just, you know, it was just out. Like, yeah, that was just like everyone's like free space. Season. Yeah. You, it's not often that you see like draft prognosticators and, and football beat rows like, oh, yes, yeah, so we know that that pick will happen, you know, back in uh, early February. That, that's, mm-hmm. Normally they pretend they don't know what they're doing for a little while longer. But in the Jets case, they just blurted it out to somebody. Um, so. They, the, it sounds like they're moving on from Mackay Becton, which is why Aquanu. Some offensive tackle is the assumption at the fourth pick, or maybe the second. I guess if they if they decide they need to take Jermaine Johnson at four to get him, maybe they will, and then take a tackle at the, the second pick. I don't know, um, but Becton being out of the picture is is part of that assumption, and maybe that's like the reason the Jets would be urgent enough on the offensive line to pass up someone like Gardner, who they otherwise might really want to. Yeah, I mean, the Jets are in prime position. I mean, if they end up with any combination of these guys that we're talking about, then I feel like that, you know, they have to be pretty happy with how things, you know, went with their two top 10 selections, uh, that type of thing. Uh, but you just never never fully know. But the interesting note there as far as uh, the way that the Jets are, are a leaky boat uh, relative to um, a bunch of other teams. Let's get into Let's get into some guys that we think – are getting regular first round buzz that we could see falling, you know, a decent bit into the second. Uh, well, part of answering a question like that might uh, require like trying to figure out who's going higher than we thought. And apparently yes. Tom Pelissero was saying Quay Walker, the Georgia linebacker is going to go in the top 20. Uh, I would, or is expected to, I should say, I don't, I shouldn't say Tom just said that will definitely happen. Uh, I'm sure he has some standard conditional qualifiers to, at the start, like he it, watch for it or whatever. But Quay Walker going in the top 20 would definitely mark um, a change from what I was expecting. Uh, and I think most people too, because if he's going in the top 20, that would mean he's likely going ahead of Devin Lloyd, who is the favored first linebacker off the board. And uh, that also might push Lloyd back surprisingly far. It might push all the other linebackers back surprisingly far because 
there's not that many teams that need them, uh, especially like inside linebacker types. So we'll, we'll see uh, Quay Walker if in the top 20, <coughs> excuse me, um, in the top 20, you'd probably be looking at teams like, I would assume anyway, you're looking at teams like the Eagles and the Chargers primarily. Uh, I don't think your Ravens at 14, John, but if they hate Harrison enough, maybe. Uh, I mean, he's not done particularly well for right, himself. Right. I guess I'd just be surprised if they did it in the first round. Uh, so for that reason, I'm assuming the Eagles or the Chargers, if the Eagles or the Chargers are taking a linebacker, uh, both of them would have been candidates for receiver, I think. So they're both out on receivers or, or maybe are. In that case, certainly the Chargers would be if they make the pick. They only have one first rounder at the 17th pick. So some receiver, and then you get to the the, the report from Bruce Feldman. Basically, at the same time I posted this stupid prop article, Bruce Feldman <laughs> comes out. It's like, hey, everyone, it's uh, George Pickens is going to hell day. And uh, <laughs> what? What do you mean? I didn't know that. Um, so, yes, so they're saying like they just hate Pickens, and I. I don't know. There could be inf- very pertinent information that we just don't have that would explain all of it. But based on the information that we do have, it uh, strikes me as, as kind of a strange, flimsy reason to, to 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 kind of just swear off some player that you otherwise admit might be one of the best at the position. Um, so if Pickens slides, then maybe even a guy like Jahan Dotson gets pushed out of the first. Uh, I mean, not that he was a lock to go in the first anyway, but like, the later the receivers go, the, the later all of them are liable to go. Uh, and it, it's, it might be those kinds of guys that, that the fringe first rounders that get pushed out, especially if someone like Christian Watson shows up at, at the top 25. It's like some good receiver, probably two, is getting pushed to the 35th picker later. Um, if I'm trying to think about what else, the the Eagles could be looking otherwise at like edge defender. So if they're taking a linebacker, they'd maybe that would push back someone like Karlaftis. And as a result, maybe the, the Penn state one, uh, something like that. So uh, I'm trying to think of who else has been mentioned as a, a faller. Like we already talked about Linderbaum. I don't know if, I don't think most people expect that, but I, I guess I would be kind of surprised if he's a first rounder. Um, I don't think any running back, I don't think Brees Hall's going to Buffalo or anything like that. Okay. So not that I don't know how much people expected that, but I, I don't think it's a realistic outcome so um there, there might be an edge oh boy and mafia i keep forgetting about him i don't know why he gets talked about as like a barely first round guy i feel like he's clearly a conventional first round talent so uh someone like him might slip a little bit something like that so with, with mafia is it just like concern about what what his fit is and then i think there's just like- other shiny things there's too many shiny things at once and people they, they go after jermaine johnson because he's like an inch taller or something mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they, they had him as a high recruit at Georgia and then Florida State, whereas Boye Mafia is a three-star. Yeah, uh, it t- took him, I think, a while to to start, like, really producing. But, you know, Mafia had really good combine numbers. And, well, that's know, Johnson, gonna... too, you know? Like, he had to change schools. Um, mm-hmm. And he was, he was like a fifth-year guy last year, I think. Yeah, because um, he, he came out of JUCO originally when he, when he got to Georgia. So yeah, uh, Mafe could be one of those guys. Um, I I happen to. I, this is probably a case of me just not being privy to insider information, but I'm a lot lower on Trent McDuffie than most media are. I, I think he's clearly a good player, but I'm not putting McDuffie ahead of guys like Dax Hill. I know he's more of like a, or he's considered a safety tweener, but like Dax Hill is a much better corner prospect than Trent McDuffie is to me. Uh, McDuffie, he's he's more like a. I don't know, Lovey Smith corner or something. And uh, what it was just to say, I think you want him playing in a lot of uh, disguised coverages with the zone emphasis, because you don't want him playing press man coverage in the NFL on an Island. Um, he's got short arms, which you see people compare McDuffie to Jair Alexander. And I, I think that's a pretty big red flag because they're objectively not similar. And when people are justifying a pick by saying, Oh, this other guy is like him and they're not alike, then everything is up for uh, scrutiny at that point. And uh, I, I think he's clearly a good, not great prospect, uh, like a, a slightly better version of Byron Murphy who fell, fell to the early third and has been a totally good nickel corner for the Cardinals, but not a press outside man corner. And it's for similar reasons as McDuffie. 
Do, do you think that uh, that kind of stems from, you know, the league's need to, you know, st- you know stack stack cornerback a little bit? And, and you know, once you get past um, Gardner and, and Stingley, it's just you kind of need to sell yourself on someone at, at that position. Like, do you think like position like uh, value is kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to McDuffie? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it might be that people just think he looks like Jair Alexander. I don't know. <laughs> like I just because because the other corner at Washington, uh, Kyler Gordon. It's like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why we would say he's clearly worse than McDuffie. Like they're both second rounders. I think. Um, so it, it is weird to me to hear like when you see the McDuffie like super fans if they make the case for him but then not Gordon. That also is strange to me. It's like what is true about McDuffie that isn't true about Gordon more or less. Like I, it's it, it's kind of like a corollary of how I found it weird that people would say Garrett Wilson is the best receiver in this class and Chris Olave is the wide receiver six. Like Chris mm-hmm. Olave was at worst just as good as Garrett Wilson, and I think the case is clearly more that he was better. So it's like if you're saying Garrett Wilson's the best receiver in the class, I need to hear you say that Chris Olave is the second best. Otherwise, I don't understand what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I like the way that, that you framed that. But uh, I, I actually wonder about those small school guys, those freak small school guys, like the UTSA one. Uh, and even more so, uh, Zion McCollum. It's like, I'm not even convinced that McDuffie goes ahead of guys like that or like Kair Elam, you know, outside press corners. Yeah, I, I always liked Elam at, at Florida. I thought he was one of the better players that they've had in, in, in recent years. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see Elam. Um, how many Georgia guys are going to go in the first? <laughs> uh, well, uh, after apparently Trayvon Walker and Quay Walker go first and second overall, uh, let's see. Uh, scene is a good bet. I think not a, not like a, uh, definitely not more than like a coin flip kind of thing, but I think he would be a good pick for a handful of teams in the late first. So for that reason, I, I think it makes plenty of sense for him to be there. Uh, I don't think Nicobe Dean is going to make it quite like part of what seems to be propelling uh, both walkers, especially Quay, I think, is uh, he had a really good combine workout running like a 4.52 at 240 pounds or something like that. And the, and the other good numbers, of course, uh, Dean has not been able to work out. Andy's not uh, as big, not nearly as big as, as Quay Walker. So I think he's more like a 40th pick than a top 32 one. Uh, he could be in the top. He could be in the first round, though. It's definitely possible. It seems like Pickens is not trending for the better. Uh, maybe those reports were kind of smoke nonsense, mm-hmm. but uh, the wide receivers then, in general seem to be sliding a bit relative to a couple of weeks ago. So Pickens maybe a longer shot than seen. Uh, but yeah, I, we haven't talked about it much, but I love uh, Jordan Davis. Actually, I think he's going to be pretty awesome. Yes, um, I, I wouldn't mind him on on the Ravens for a lot of reasons, but uh, you know him, Clay's Campbell, it's pretty uh, pretty scary. Uh, defensive line. And I think four, 14 would be a sweet spot. I, I had, I had Davis going 17 to the Eagles, have him next to uh, Fletcher Cox. I think he'll go uh, to Houston at 13 or if your Ravens can get him, they would, they should really think about that. Yeah, I, I would think so um, as Eagles well. Too, I guess might be uh, Jordan. Jordan knows. I think is just going to be really good. He's, he's horrifying. Yeah, I mean, just uh, an absolute beast who got better over the course of his time at Georgia. You know, just like oh, a uh, I have, I do not share the 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 sentiment around James Cook, but apparently he's going to go just like stupid high. Like, <laughs> is he, he might the, he like might even be like running first, back? He, he might go ahead of Brees Hall or something stupid like that. No, I mean, I I don't know why, but it it might. There are a lot of really dumb teams who who have their fingers on the button and i mean i guess like once we get past hall and 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 walker you know then it can be an eye of the beholder thing but i would still take like pierre strong over over james cook i would too i don't think cook is gonna do anything in the nfl i think he's i think he's gonna be a scratch just known i don't think he's gonna do anything uh, I still like Kevin Harris a lot. I think he's clearly the, the running back three in terms of uh, the correct rankings. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, you just get a blob of like, you know, Ford and Spiller and Strong. And uh, I like Pacheco more than most people. But uh, the idea that like even Zamir White, like I think he's overrated too. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those Georgia backs uh, go way higher than people think. And, and something like 
both of them go ahead of Kenneth Walker or something like that. That I don't yeah. think that'll happen. It's just something like that wouldn't be shocking, especially when people believe these 40 times that aren't right and think like Zamir White really runs a 4-4-2 and James Cook's like a 4-4 flat. Like, no, he runs a 4-5 at 190 pounds and that will do nothing in the NFL. But what if he did run a 4-4? Then he's merely uh, kind of fast and and still very very skinny. Like four four flat would be interesting if he weighed at least two hundred and five pounds, but he's ten fifteen short of that. So uh, I just I just think it's strange that there's this assumption that oh James Cook could have just been Dalvin Cook if Georgia wanted him to, but they were like I don't want that. No, uh, and and the, there's a, like a reason why he didn't go out after his junior year. Like he just, he simply wasn't that good. The the tackle breaking was non-existent for him, which again, you would expect for, for a player of his frame, but you know, he was at his best last year, basically, you know, catching, catching it out of the backfield or, um, playing, or, you know, they'd, they'd, they'd split him out. Built like. re- yeah. He honestly like could make that change and, you know, but then, he might then we're getting to. into like Demetric Felton territory and that's not actually <sighs> useful. It's like useful in like, fanfic but like it, it as far as like real it's useful in your fan fiction about uh, a, a better world where no running backs ever get carries and even less often contracts uh, and all <laughs> all the running backs are receivers now it's a beautiful world yes yes yeah, society if and it's just like that picture of just like the beautiful futuristic city um all right man, let, I, I hate i hate the scab back fad man it is it's a scourge. We got to start fighting back on these people. It's a All problem. Right, so, well, we can start by just putting Brees Hall one in our mocks. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna just I, I'm gonna forge an image of the the PFF mock graph grader where I just put Brees Hall as all the first thirty two picks, and every pick is a plus, and and mail that to uh, you know, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> to somebody chris collinsworth um, oh no not him it's gotta it's gotta be like one of the the real anti these pinkerton people who who just uh are in agony when a running back gets gets five dollars it's like it's gotta be one of those those weirdos and, okay uh, all right so yeah, want to want to make them spill their 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 cereal in the morning when they open it up or whatever yeah they're they're there's a there's a they're gonna see list. it and, and they're gonna be like oh my god i gotta call someone's manager and get them fired for this and then they're gonna be like oh it's actually a fake oh my god <laughs> oh boy all right as as we're getting to to the end of the show here um any last like all all gluts all guts all glory no guts no glory uh type of uh prediction for uh the first round um, I don't want to say uh, necessarily in the first round, especially now that we got this report about Quay Walker being the first pick in the top 20, but I feel like Leo Chanel with the Patriots makes so much sense that it's just like inevitable. And I really wouldn't be shocked if that, that includes at the 23rd pick, which even if so, unfortunately, my, my dollar pick at the bottom of the article is also nullified by the Quay Walker thing because I, I needed Chanel to be the first receiver, first linebacker picked, not just uh, a linebacker pick to the Patriots at 23. So uh, missed, missed opportunity, unfortunately. Okay. Like that. Um, yeah, I could, I could definitely see Chanel. Um, I, I feel like you, you laid out a really good case on, on him, like both in your uh, mock and, and in this, um, particular uh, props exercise, but yeah, Chanel like definitely doesn't get nearly as much uh, discussion as he should, I guess. But mine would be that yeah, the, that the receiver, the cooling on the receiver market ends up being real, and we see under five and a half uh, receivers yeah. taken. Oh, the by the way, round. apparently there's there's also a bunch of late hype for Trey McBride, uh, maybe even in the first round, which I don't really understand, but it. I can understand it in the sense that it's such a thin tight end class that if you don't get him and you need one, you might be waiting a while. Would like would like Cincinnati do that? But that they, they, I mean, Uzama's still good. Oh, well, he's with the they got Sample starting. Oh, that's Uzama. right. And uh, Sample definitely can't run routes. So uh, I don't know why they would pick Drew Sample in the second round two years ago just because just to have him play. Uh, sort of like a sub Adam Troutman kind of role 
But if that's what they want to do, taking McBride would be a way to, yeah, run it that way. Better or worse prospect, Trey McBride or Hayden Hurst? Oh, Hurst is much worse. Like McBride's a good prospect, you know. It's like we're it's kind of like quibbling over like, is he top forty or is he top sixty, something like that. And I'm a little bit more the top sixty side of it. But Hayden Hurst was just a ridiculous uh, man. I don't know how any of that really happened, other than a bunch of people just lost their minds at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, They were literally like they were applying to him like a a generous. Uh, like character reflection and the fact that he failed as a pitcher. Uh, they're like, oh, he he persevered after getting terrified on the college baseball mound, and and we just think that's so inspiring that he persevered after that. When it's like normally any other player, you hear a story about that, like they're like, oh, he's he's a wuss, he's a coward, yeah, he's a quitter. Yeah, it's like no, why are you just because you think this guy could be your son or something? You 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 think there's like valor in transferring schools after you fail at the first one like it's good for Hurst. i mean he seems like a likable guy but like he should have been a fourth round pick or something not a first rounder there it is and uh that there there goes our recap of the 2018 <laughs> uh nfl draft uh but that's gonna wrap it up for our uh official pre-draft predictions show we got a ton of other draft content coming up on the site over these next couple of days uh, Mario and I will be uh, writing up the picks live. We're also going to have a couple other RotoWire contributors uh, helping out on day three. We're, we are going to have a couple of live streams. Jim Coventry, uh, Alan Sislowski, and, and I are going to be doing a, a draft bets live stream over on Twitter Thursday afternoon before the draft gets underway. We're going to do a, another one on Friday on Twitter that's going to kind of do a fantasy fallout from round one and predictions, best fits uh, for day two of the NFL draft. So stay tuned for that. And I'll also have a day one fantasy recap article really, really early in the morning, Friday. So probably like 5 a.m. Eastern uh, posting time, but that should be uh, good as well. Um, but that's that's going to do it for us here. Mara, do you have anything else to uh, to plug before we run? I'm in the process of trying to get a final two round thing done and a trying to balance the uh, selfish consideration of waiting on more Intel uh, versus publishing something that is obsolete in 90 minutes. Um, but later today, I think I'm just going to say to hell with it and post it. Yeah, that, that's, that's my thinking. I, I think on, on I'm going to run a mock that, that will go up on the site tomorrow and that will be my best guess based on the Intel, but um, it probably won't even be more than like 1500 words for all 32 picks. It'll just be, Fairly brief, but it'll be my best predictions, best guesses for how round one is going to unfold. But that's going to do it for us here. For Mario Puig, I'm John McCagney. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast again, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger. For the ones who get it done.